powerful word of God can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now look at your neighbor and say, you look marvelous, simply marvelous. I believe there's a lead-in video, Jeff, is there? Okay. You never spoke the words, but you didn't have to. You sat it in all the times you spent telling me stories, giving me advice. And now, because you said it to me, I can say it to someone else. I look back at that neighbor and say, I believe in you. And be sure and tell the one on the other side because they didn't hear it. <laughs> I'm glad you're back with us. Third week of the series called I Believe in You. If you missed the first two weeks, I'd encourage you to go to rocjinx.com or rocjinx.org and uh, find the online features button. Press it and the sermons come up and there it is. Just touch it and it'll play back for you if you've missed them. We've got them dated and titled. And so uh, I want you to uh, not miss anything, but if you happen to miss a Sunday and uh, want to stay caught up with your church family, that's a great place to go and do that. This is such an important time, I believe, in the history of our church, in the life of our church, and in the, uh, for future generations especially. And what's really encouraging to me is that some of you have come and said, you know, I want to be a Paul. I want to be a Paul in somebody's life. Some of you said, you know, I, I want to be a Timothy. I want somebody to teach me. I want somebody to learn. I want to get get with some older people and let them teach me. And that's really important because it, I just believe it's a divine call of God that we do this, that we mentor other people, uh, especially in the next generation, to help them become stronger. And I think we're at a crossroads as a church because so many churches have older leadership and we need younger leadership. We need, we need young people to step up to the plate and become leaders. And uh, they'll, they'll say, well, I'm not qualified. When will you be? When will you be qualified? What, what, makes you, what makes an old person more qualified? Well, they're, 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 they're full of wisdom. Maybe. What makes you qualified is getting, you, getting experience. A sailor's never made by sitting in the harbor. <laughs> Those of you that were in the Navy, did they, did they let you stay at port for at least three years before they sent you out to sea? Don, did, isn't that what happened? I think you told me you stayed in San Diego for several years before they went out to sea with you. First day, 20 foot waves, and God was with you. <laughs> up and down, up and down. How dare they take this young sailor out there on the first day? What's he going to do, quit? <laughs> Where's he going? <laughs> That's a good place to take him, isn't it? Out in the middle of the ocean. Well, you don't want to be here anymore? Well, jump off. Oh. I've contended when young people get married, they should have to move away from their families 500 miles for at least the first five years. Now, my wife's staring at me going, what, what, what? <laughs> well, when they have grandchildren, they have to move back. But when they first get married, because then they have to learn to depend on each other, don't you? 
and you have to work through stuff. We've got to help the younger generation, folks, and we've got to begin to impart spiritual life into the next generation, and we honestly are on a road to losing the next generation when it comes to faith in Christ. So many don't want anything to do with church, don't want anything to do with Christ. They believe, they believe in God. They do. They just don't go to church. don't have any reason to go to church. They'd rather be at Starbucks drinking a cup of coffee at this hour of the day than be here and listen to, me, listen to me talk to you for 30, 40 minutes. Let's make it 20 today. How's that? Amen. This isn't anything new. Moses showed us when, when he was getting ready to die or before he died, he then poured his life into a young man named Joshua. Moses did not get to see the promised land, but he led Joshua to be able to go to the promised land, right? But the saddest part of that whole story is that Joshua didn't do the same thing. In Judges chapter 2 and verse 10, and we read it earlier, but it bears looking at again. After the whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, in other words, they had died, it says, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. That's a sad verse. Because of Joshua's one glaring weakness, he didn't raise up spiritual leaders in the next generation. The next generation came along and did not know God intimately or the power of all the good acts that he had done. They had no idea because they, were, they weren't told about it. Nobody talked to them about it. We've got to talk about the glory of God. We've got to talk about the good things that God is doing. Uh, many of you are sharing your testimonies with me. I want to ask you to share those testimonies to the church. Stand and, and proclaim what God's doing in your life. He's doing some great things. And, and we need to hear about it. They need to, you need to hear that somebody's being touched by God in such a real and special and powerful way. Uh, I was so encouraged to watch Will just walk up there this morning and sing. Because I know he didn't know the songs or didn't at least have, have an idea of what they were. But boy, he went up there just like he knew what was happening. That was awesome, isn't it? It's the way it should be. If you have a gift, share it. Use it. Give it. Don't keep it. Don't keep it. Because you'll lose it. If you, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. Amen? I mean... Our state champion, we could have won the state championship in track this year, but Braden had a pulled hamstring. That was it. Team went, came in third. Why? Because Braden could be there. I mean, he was, the, oh, he was the anchor. He was the man, right? Well, the other teammates didn't do it very well either. You're going to have to show up. You can't depend on one person, can you? I remember the state championship football game. His, his uh, ankle was hurt, or his foot was hurt. Somebody stepped on his foot. And I loved what his dad said. What, are you going to play or are you going to sit on the, on the sideline and cry? Well, he, he went out and played. He drug his leg out there and he went out and played. But they retaped it at halftime. It looked like a new man. I'll tell you, sometimes you just have to go play through those things, don't you? That's what you have to do. I mean, he was afraid to look up at his mother because she was going to come down there. But I, okay. It's like she tried to kiss him on that, that one picture. Yeah. But I'm telling you, we all need to spend time getting into others' lives, especially the next generation. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. You can have or be a spiritual father. Let me start right there. You can have or be a spiritual father. Some of you have had a very godly dad. Maybe some of you haven't. A spiritual father doesn't replace a biological father. He just doesn't. He just doesn't. But they can supplement that role. Now, I did not have a godly father. When he died when I was 14, I needed help. And when I became a Christian, the men at church took me under their wing, and they invite me to go uh, water skiing, they'd invite me to go uh, fishing, they'd invite me to do those things because they realized that they could pour their life into me. 
And when I said I was going to go into the ministry to preach, those guys took me even further under their wing. And they began to, to, to show me what it meant to be a man of God. They showed me all those things because they loved me and they cared about me. It wasn't the preacher that did that. It was men in the church that did that. Jim Middleton. I'll never forget Jim Middleton. Wonderful, wonderful man. Him and his wife, Faye. Wonderful people. I learned how to sing Sunday nights after church. I would go to their house and I would stay till he made me leave because their daughter was our piano player. And so she would play. She would just sit at the piano and she would play. We'd get to the house about 7 o'clock. By 10 o'clock, I'm still singing. I'm still going at it. And he walks in and he says, it's about time for you to go. So I'd go. But Sharon would play for me and play for me and play for me and play for me. And so when I did that CD back in 1997, I mailed her a copy. And she wrote me this beautiful letter back. But, you know, someone invested in me. Someone invested in you. Don't let it stop there. Don't let it stop there. You can be a spiritual father. 1 Corinthians 4 says, even though you have, ten, you have had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. Now look down at your notes. I put a Greek word there for you. It's a pahidagos. And it's a word that's translated as servant who takes a child to school, a tutor, or an instructor. So in other words, this is a person who has, was hired to care for the next generation. It's a bit like what we would have as a nanny today. And in our world, we have a lot of people that are involved in your life. But they're not like a dad or a mom. Maybe it's a coach or a teacher or a boss or someone who, who's, who has a vested interest in you. But it's that role. It's, it, it's not a calling. It's just a role they've taken in your life. But look what the verse goes on to say. You've had a lot of guardians, but not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. I mean, don't you want somebody to imitate you? Dads. Kids imitate dads. Good and bad. One of my favorite things is to hold my grandson. Because he just stares at me. He just stares at me. I know he goes, what is this? Because when Gigi walks in, forget it. You know, he's, he's off to bigger and better things. But for a brief moment, I have him. Especially when I sing to him. Because he listens when I'm singing to him. But when he finally notices who I am, he'll smile real big. He gets his whole face into it when he smiles. I love it. I love it. But look what he says. He goes on to finish the verse. For this reason I'm sending you Timothy, my son whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. Now, why would he call Timothy a son? I mean, he wasn't a biological son, but he was a son in the faith. They had developed such a relationship, there was a family dynamic about their relationship. So it is and should be for us. Uh, these young people in our church, I, I count them as part of my family. Whatever Braden accomplishes and has accomplished, I stand right behind his dad. Take my picture, I'm in the family. <laughs> and now we're going to watch Bryce do the same thing. I watched her this year play. She's just a freshman starting on varsity for her mother. That's not, those aren't good combinations. She did really well. Did really well. When she's a senior, oh my goodness. Ooh, Lord have mercy. It'll be good. It's going to be good. We're going to have to go to Sepulpa and wear blue. Sit in the stands and go, Bryce, Bryce, Bryce. Okay. Now some of you women might say, well, why about us? Dads aren't, okay, all right. 
You can, you can have or be a spiritual mother. Titus chapter 2. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, and to be busy at home, to be kind, to be subject to their husbands, so that no one would malign the Word of God. Older women can be spiritual mothers to the younger women. Why is it today we have so many marital problems? It's because we've got young couples not listening and hearing older people. Older people are not investing in these lives of these younger people. They don't want to listen. 50% divorce rate. We are second highest divorce rate to Reno, Nevada. Oklahoma is. Why get married if you're going to end it in divorce? Why do that? You've got to work at it, don't you? Do rough times come? Yep. Do they always see you as handsome and debonair and you are hotter than hot? No. <laughs> you get tired of looking at them too? Mm-hmm. They don't always paint themselves up to make them look really good. Right, fellas? Can I get an amen? Ooh, good man, good man. That a boy. <laughs> you women have taught them well. I, on the other hand, have some deep water here. <laughs> but, you know, older women can teach younger women how they should carry themselves. It's really important to learn that. Very important. Everyone needs a Paul, a spiritual father or a mother. Everyone needs a Timothy, a spiritual son or a daughter, so that you can have that family in Christ because it's so important. I love walking up to Patrick Caleb and saying, Patrick, and he turns around and has this big old smile like his dad and his mother. He's always smiling. I, can't, I wonder what he's up to because he's always smiling. But he's got an infectious smile. I love it. When I see Mackenzie, she always wants to hug you. I love that. Because she loves to be hugged. I like it. Don't you? I like little guys. They like to come up and give you a hug. Even Isaac. Isaac will come up to me and he'll, and I'll say, Isaac, give me a hug. And he'll, he'll stammer over and give me a hug. It's awesome. So what's it's all about. And Tegan, I'll get, try to get Tegan to hug me and she'll just give me a, a high, you know, high five thing. She, <laughs> she, she, she doesn't like to hug, I guess. That's okay. But you know what? I just want to invest in them. I want to see them prosper. I want to see them be great, don't you? And that's what it's all about. But the first piece of advice that I would give you, to get very practical here, is to determine what you're looking for. Determine what you're looking for. What do you need in a spiritual parent? What do you need in a Paul? For example, you may be dating someone you want to get, and you want to get married. She smells good. She's soft. She's godly. She looks perfect. You may not have had a great role model of what a Christian family looks like, so you need to find a, a good, godly Christian family who can help you, who can help show you what that looks like. Don't get in a rush. Don't get in a hurry. But Christian marriages are hard to, hard to come by. There, there are a lot of work involved. Amen? You're not just going to happen. You've got to work at it. You may be a brand-new believer, and, you, and you're new to Christianity. You don't know much about You thought the epistles were the wives of the apostles. <laughs> And you're kind of brand new at this whole thing, and you need somebody who will sit down with you and start at Genesis. Just kind of start there, take you through the Old Testament, get into the New Testament, just show you how it all works. I spent one night doing that for three people. We spent about an hour and a half to two hours. It was the most fun I'd had in a long, long, long time. I just, I thought, where am I going to start? So I opened the book to Genesis, and I started, I said, well, it says this, 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 this. Here's the major players that you run across, and over here it says this, 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 and this. Here's the major people that you need to understand. They'll go over here and this. It was a lot of fun. Then I let them ask questions as we went along. They said, well, who was that guy? It was fun. It was fun. 
But define what you're looking for. Let me give you quick, three quick advice, pieces of advice for Timothys to be sons or daughters who are being, learning, who are being led and, and learning from parents. First piece, I beg you to ask questions, listen, and take notes. When you get with your Paul, come loaded with questions and then write them down. What I found is that older people are much wiser than I am and they give you lots of nuggets of truth. And if you're not writing it down, you'll, you'll forget while you're there. But when you get home and start to review, man, it starts to come back to you. It starts to come back to you. But ask questions, listen, and take notes. Uh, it's what the jailer did in the New Testament. He was in a position of authority, locked up Paul and Silas. God broke them out. He went, to, uh, he went from being an expert uh, to immediately to being a student. And he began to ask questions in Acts 16. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, fell stumbling before, uh, or trembling before Paul and Silas, and then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So from authority to humbleness, come with questions. One of the things that I've learned about mentoring is that it's a time-consuming thing. And so it's better if you come with questions to ask your mentor than just to show up and go, well, teach me everything you know. Come with specific questions. Let me give you a few. Here's, here's a good one. What do you wish you knew when you were my age? Isn't that a good one? How about this one? What's the best piece of advice someone has ever given you? What's the best piece of advice someone's ever given you? What's your biggest regret? What do you see in me that I may not see in myself? Now, those are just a few to start, but boy, you can have a great conversation with people just by asking them those questions. And I don't care how old you are. Those are still great questions to ask to somebody older than you because you know what? You can get, get some insight, gain some insight. So write, write down what they say, ask questions, listen and watch as you learn from that spiritual father, spiritual mother. Second thing, if you're taking notes, put into practice what you see. Put into practice what you see. Philippians 4.9, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. One of the greatest blessings that you can give to your Paul is to take his or her advice and put it into practice. And let me give you an example of that. For the past three or four years, I have been mentoring with a young man named Nelson Searcy. He's a gifted young preacher who God brought into my life at a strategic time that I needed him here. I was ready to throw up my hands and say enough is enough. I'll, get, I'll just go work for Quick Trip. That's where I was. I'd done it for 30 plus years. For what? That was my thought. I don't preach at a big church. I've been at the same church for 19 years. What else can I say to you? It's not necessarily what I say to you. It's what I do in front of you. That makes a difference, amen? So Nelson came into my life at the right time, and many of the things that I'm learning from him, and he's literally uh, mentoring thousands of pastors all over the world. But one of the things that he's done is that he's, he's rekindled a fire in me about being a pastor, about being in church work. And I so much want to take what I'm learning and now pass it to somebody else. So I'm finding, I'm looking for people who will let me do that in their life. Maybe some of it's you. Maybe somebody here wants me to pour something into your life. I'm ready to pour something into somebody's life. I'm going to try to take what I'm learning now and see if my Bible college I graduated from will let me, at my own expense, 
drive down there to Dallas and teach because I just want to teach them. I don't have a master's degree. I don't have anything but the love of Christ in my heart. But these young people coming out of Bible, Bible college have no idea what to do. They come into a church and they have no idea what to, where to start, where to even start. They pull open their New, New American Standard Bible and start hammering people. There's so much more that needs to be done before they ever start that or in, or in addition to that. But 36 years ago, God called me into ministry, and I'm so grateful that every day it gets more brighter every day. I see it every day. I see it in my children. I see it, in, I see it as Jeff uh, pours himself into the work that he has and the people that God brings through his path. He's outside of located ministry right now, but uh, boy, what's some songs he picked today. Whew. Man, they, they touched my heart. And Corey, he's just, well, he's just Corey. <laughs> What do you say? But there's times when, I, when you get that glimpse and that glimmer and you see him doing some things and touching people for God and then, then little Mark. Got to spend some time with Mark a week ago when Amy graduated and he's at that frustration point in youth ministry where the demands of the church, demands of marriage, and the demands of a graduate degree are all coming down on him. I said, step back and take a deep breath. It's all going to be all right. You want to sing with me, Mark? He said, no, Dad, I don't want to sing with you. I told him, laugh more. Laugh more. Quit letting it get to you. Laugh more. But some, God, has, God has put a renewal in me that I, I haven't felt in a long, long time, but it's because of a young man named Nelson Searcy. And I'm submitting myself to him, you see. I'm asking lots of questions. And I'm taking notes. Because he requires it. We have to send them to him after we take them. So... Listen, take notes, put into practice, and the third thing is show honor. The most valuable thing a person can give you is not their money, but their time. You see, you can make more money, but you can't make more time. And when someone gives you the gift of their time, show honor in all that you do. Scripture says in Romans 12, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves. Show up on time, come with questions, write it down, send thank you notes, serve them. If they want to meet at 4 in the morning, you be there at 3.30. If their car needs washing, wash it. Kids need babysit, babysit them. Do anything you can to show honor to, that, to those people. And the best way you can do it is by saying yes, sir, and no, sir. Yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. That would go a long way, young people. Wake up! The world doesn't revolve around you. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it doesn't. Get off your lazy rear ends and do something productive for Jesus Christ besides with your hands out. Put them out to serve people. Get up. Do something for God. Yesterday I had a car wash up here and all of them moaned and groaned and moaned and groaned about washing cars. Groaning cars. Chrissy doesn't have a voice today because she had to scream at them. The adults were washing the cars. The kids were watching them wash the cars. Something wrong with that picture. Completely wrong with that picture. Amen? Maybe we should quit giving them any fundraising money, huh? <laughs> That'd chap their hide, wouldn't it? Oh, well, I've, I've gone from preaching to meddling now, having to live us go on. Listen, take notes, put it into practice, show honor. Everybody needs to understand that we need a Paul, we need a Timothy. It can be intimidating. But if you've fought and overcome cancer, you're the first one that needs to talk to somebody that's battling it now. If you've had a troubled pregnancy, 
and you've come through it and God has blessed you and shown you that it's okay, you're, you're the best one to talk to somebody. You know, they call me first, but I want to have a, a list of those who have done through that so I can put you in touch with them because it's really important. That, amen? I remember when James Watson had, was going to have heart surgery, I had him call Don Vocal <laughs> so that Don could tell him it's going to be okay, James. It's going to be okay because Don had just been through it. You see what I'm talking about? We need, to have time. we need to have that connection with each other so that we're getting into each other's lives. And you know, Some things we don't even know, we don't even remember. Sherry's a cancer survivor. She needs to tell you how that works. Amen? Amen. So we need to be those types of people. Those types of people. So let's talk about how we do it from the perspective of a spiritual father or mother. First of all, be an example in the way you live. Titus 2.7, and everything set them an example by doing what is good. Bill Hybels has led one of the largest churches in the country for years. He's what I would call a distant mentor. In other words, he's somebody that everybody read his stuff but acted like we knew who he was, even though we've never met him face to face. Well, we read everything that he writes just so we can learn from him, because not because of anything that, that he would do, it's just the way he is. And what he says is so practical. It's like Billy Graham. I've never met him, but I'll read everything that he writes. Why? Because of his example. Amen? Because of who he is. So that's what we need to be. Honestly and real humbly, one of my greatest goals in life is to be a godly example. You can hang out with me for about 30 seconds and realize that I'm probably the last guy in the world you want to follow. <laughs> but I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be a good role model, a good example for you as a church. But with everything in me, I plan to love Cindy and faithfully until I die. And I plan to love her as Christ loved the church. I plan to live with financial integrity as I lead this church. I don't want you to hear from the community that I'm a deadbeat. Don't pay my bills. I'm trying to live with integrity in that way in my life and through this church as I lead this church. And I, will, I hope to lead this church until the leaders say, Preacher, <laughs> it's time for you to move on down the road, brother. You're not going to see the promised land. Like I said, I hope I can preach here until I kill over dead. I want to, I want to preach here until see, uh, I want to see Paige's kids, Paige Parmenter's kids. Boy, that woke her dad up back there. Hey, hey, what? <laughs> You understand what I'm saying. How or why should we settle for any lower goals in life? How or why should we do that? We can be a spiritual father or mother to the next generation. A second thing that's so simple, tell stories. Tell stories. That's some of the best part about being families is hearing stories. Amen? Just hearing stories. Proverbs 145 says, One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell you of your mighty works. They will tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. Be an example, tell stories, and then number three, share your life. Open up your heart. Let someone in. Let them in. 1 Thessalonians 2, 8, Paul said, We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our, our lives as well. You can do that. You can be a spiritual parent, an example, a mentor to the next generation. I don't care if you're 87 or you're 17. The little bitty kids in this church watch our teenagers. Oh, they watch them like a hawk. Tyler Thomas, Big T, we call him, right? 
little bitty kids just love that guy. I handed my grandson off to him a while ago, and Braden just looked at him and went, whoa. Just stared at him. Because he, he his color of his skin is different than Braden's. He was just staring at him. But Tyler's just holding him right up there close. Yeah. Because you see, it doesn't really matter about the color of your skin, does it? It matters about what's in this heart of yours. And that kid loves, he loves little kids. They just come up to him, that big old, big old bunkin looking guy. Well, he can carry five or six of them at a time. I mean, come on. You need a babysitter for a herd, you call Tyler, call Big T. And I believe he'd strap them all on, he'd take them, he would. Crazy like that. But we're the family of God, the body of Christ. There's a, new, a generation today that's craving a spiritual father, craving a spiritual mother. So give me an example. Show me what to do. Help me. I know there's more in me. I know I can make it. I just don't know how. Every single one of us need a Paul. You'll never do all that God wants you to do without having right people speaking into your life and believing in you. You would never know until, uh, until you do it how rewarding it can be in, in investing in somebody else. And always remember that God loves you and God is saying to you, I believe in you. I believe in you. And you can have it. You can have it today. Pray with me if you would. Father, I pray that your people would hear this message and would not settle for good intentions, but would transform those good intentions into actions. God, I, I'm just wondering how many would say, I really do want a, want a Paul, I really do want a Timothy in my life. Father, I pray that you would give your leaders the right Paul, a spiritual example, a mother, a father, a big brother, big sister, someone in their area of interest that has more experience and is walking closer with you that could invest in them. And God, I thank you in advance for the spiritual dividends that investment brings. God, I pray that everyone here today would feel the weight of the call to invest in the next generation. I pray that they would see themselves as prepared, not perfect, never perfect, but prepared to invest in others. And God, that you would give them a Timothy, many Timothys to pour into, to believe in, to raise up, to impart spiritual life to that next generation. And as you keep doing that, Lord, I'm hoping that there's people in this room who will say, you know, preacher, I'm not even sure I know Jesus as my heavenly father. I don't know if I know God as my father. I, I, I've never been saved. I'd like to move beyond that, and I'd like to understand him in a very personal way. Because, uh, because of our sinfulness, our sin separates us from that which is very holy, our holy God. But he did something for it. Not a single person would ever do this, but he did. You gave your son Jesus so that we could become sons and daughters of God. You love the world so much, you sent his, your one and only son to bleed and die on that cruel cross so that he could be raised from the dead, so that our sins could be forgiven, so that we could be adopted into the family of God. But I know there's people saying, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And that's exactly where we all are. None of us are ever good enough. But because of what you did at Calvary, we are good enough. So God, I'm not inviting them to join a religion. I'm inviting them to join a family to be a part of the family of God, empowered by your Holy Spirit. I want to be forgiven. I want to know him that way today. 
I want to invite Jesus to change my life, to be my Savior. Preacher, I'd like for you to teach me more what that all means. Transform me, take my life, every bit of it. I want to be forgiven. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's decision time. And you're going to make a decision one way or the other.